Hello, Devoted Geeks. Welcome to episode 96 of ComTalk, the podcast extension of Geek Devotions, the show from Devoted Geeks. They're devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm doing a pre-intro to the pre-intro to today's episode because I messed up, guys. I, Dallas Mora, have to apologize to our away team, Primitive Rhythm Machine. They actually sent me two files last month, and somehow, somehow, I missed it, and I am so, so sorry. So what you guys are about to hear is a part one kind of, of a series they're doing where John and Steve are going to be laying out some music that really means a lot to them, kind of gives you a look into the the psyche of who they are. <laughs> so it was a really cool conversation. I really appreciate these guys taking the time to be vulnerable and to share this with you guys. Please do me a favor and interact with this. Um, there'll be links in, in the show notes below for you guys to be able to uh, connect with them on our Discord server that we have. There's actually a channel in our Discord for Primitive the Rhythm Machine. So guys, check that out. We're actually going to have these guys on two weeks in a row because uh, these are really great conversations. And I would love to hear from you guys. Like, like, um, what's your music that says, some, that says something about you? So uh, check it out. So I'm done with my portion. Now let's go to John's pre-show intro. <laughs> Hey everybody, John here. I uh, just wanted to make a quick disclaimer. Um, at the beginning of this episode, you'll hear me, Steve and I talking about a interview with a band called Brotality. We actually did record a interview with them uh, about a month ago when they had released their new album called Worldwide Desolation. It was a really good interview. But uh, when we had Glicks save the interview, she basically shot that interview in the sun along with the interview that we did with Dale Thompson from Bride. So apparently when we click that floppy disk button on her OS, she thinks it means it's obsolete because she's stupid. John, you really need to stop blaming me for your mistakes. Maybe if you finally upgraded to something with more than 512 megabits of RAM, I'd be able to integrate into your system better. Yeah, whatever, Glicks. Just start the show. <laughs> Music theory. Interviews. Music theology. Primitive rhythm machine. Hello, everybody. And now that we're already 38 minutes into this conversation. Oh, did I catch you off guard there, Steve? <laughs> But let me turn down the, the hearing aid in my bad ear. There we go. Uh, I am John with my good buddy Steve McDonald, and you're listening to Primitive Rhythm Machine here on the Geek Devotions Podcast Network. I don't know if that's what they're calling it, but that's how I'm going to refer to it. Um, we got some cool stuff, I suppose, this week, uh, this month, <laughs> I, suppose. I, I suppose we have an interview with a band from the Midwest called Brotality that Steve and I, no, no, they're from, they're from Pennsylvania. That's right. I got New them. New York mixed. is in Pennsylvania. They're not from New York, bro. They're from Pennsylvania. Okay. So all the time you were telling me that they were from New York, they were actually from Pennsylvania. I never said they were from New York. Except when you told me they were. <laughs> Dude. 
Uh, now I got to look it up. Yeah, well, while you're doing that, uh, yeah. Steve and I did get this uh, album for their the debut release from Brotality on Rottweiler Records. We have Narrowsburg, inter- New York. Bam. Fine, whatever. No, not whatever. I'm right. You're wrong. Everybody sing my song. You all right there, Bill Murray? You feel good about yourself? I'm good. We can go. All right. Uh, anyway, yeah, Brutality. So we'll have them in the studio later on, the conversation we had with them. Uh, not later on to, today, not this episode. <sighs> Steve McDonald, you're the steviest. I'm just trying to say, if people are listening to this episode, you just said we're going to have them on later they on. They don't know this isn't live. Are you going to edit this in post? Yes. Well, I'm not going to edit this out just because, but I can't speak to what Dallas says. I'm going to start chewing gum. Okay. Got the trident. Now we know. Now we know what brand Steve likes to chomp in the background of our of the other podcasts. That's right. Okay, buddy. <laughs> anyway, that, this isn't. This is a podcast. They can't see your webcam. For today's episode, we were at a loss for what to discuss. Um, this week, in our playing games with strangers chat, we've been developing some playlists in Spotify, uh, some for our characters and some for specifically to describe ourselves. And me, being the dunderhead I am, I put the questions out to the community too late to be able to come up with a good topic for this week. So Steve came up with the idea and said, Hey, being as you put out a playlist on yourself this week, let's discuss that. So Steve is going to be taking the steering wheel this week and I'm going to be diving into my psyche and revealing my innermost secrets as stated through my playlist. Please divulge your secrets now. All right, so the first song is a song by the band Paul Bearer. Paul there. Bearer, he's a great off. guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> he's not a bear. He's a person. Even though uh, he has the bear in his name. For the people for the people at home, this is actually Paul Bearer, the word. We're dad joking it up here. Just having some fun. Um, off of the album Heartless, we have the song, and this is, we're going to go through uh, your list one to twelve, I believe, um, and talk about it that way. And you can talk a little bit about how the flow of the songs work as well. Mm-hmm. So you start with a song called "I Saw the End" by Paul Bearer. Um, well. I wanted to cap- start it off with uh, Paul Bearer because at the moment they are my current favorite band ever. Um, well, when I say favorite band ever, I should say underneath Pink Floyd because Pink Floyd will forever have the crown, but that's an understood when I talk music with people. Um, so underneath them, it's Paul Bearer at the moment. Um, really started kind of getting it into doom metal this last year. And they're kind of the recent uh, kings of American doom metal. And I'm like, cool, let's give them a try. And I picked up their Heartless album on the strength of the song I Saw the End. 
back when this album first came out. I'm like, wow, this is amazing stuff. It, um, uh, I don't know where you specifically stand when it comes to psychologic, uh, or psychology personality tests, uh, specifically, I think it's called the PQRM where, uh, you, you test out as either phlegmatic, uh, sanguine melancholy. And I forget the fourth one. Um, I could probably come up with that if I had the time, but I know which one you talking about. You know what about. I'm referring to. Um, yes. And I test very me, well, actually both Eric and I test very strongly into the melancholy uh, section of that. Um, and so, especially when it comes to my music, a lot of a lot of the music that I listen to, if it's outside of the extreme metal genre, um, it tends to have more of the somber, melancholic vibe to it and so that 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 resonates with me a lot and you're going to see that a lot throughout my playlist a lot of uh a lot of uh melancholy and disillusionment basically now did you choose this one uh for the words for the lyrics um no no uh it has it has mostly to do with just the general feel i like the construction and the time signature change in the uh in the bridge um a lot um i i actually explained it to some not this specific song but just the way i listened to music to somebody earlier this week um like when I listen to music, I, I, it, it's hard to explain, but inside my head, I listen to it in pictures. Okay. If that, if that makes sense. Um, it evokes certain imagery in my mind. Um, and so like when I listen to, I saw the end specifically, it starts out really low and kind of in the sludge a bit and really mournful and melancholy. And as the song picks up, it kind of pulls itself out of the, out of the muck and mire and it starts to kind of soar by the end of it. And I don't know, it's that, it's that dynamic shift that really catches me on that particular tune. Cool. Um, just to touch a little bit on uh, personality tests, I think any personality test that doesn't have a spiritual element to it, which is most of them, um, can't really capture, you know, a, a personality because, especially with Christians, because you know, if a true Christian, especially a mature Christian, would land into that spirituality realm so often that it would sort of skew it. So they just eliminate it, but by eliminating it, they're just sort of making it atheistic, I guess. I took one once. Uh, it was mandatory for work, and um, it had four different things. And I got down to one question, and I asked, I asked the person, I said, can you explain this question to me? Because I can answer it three different ways. And she's like, read it the way you want to read it. And I'm an editor. So I'm like, (laughs) you can read it three different ways. What is it trying to say? Because if I answer a, then I'm red. If I answer B, then I'm blue. And if I answer C, then I'm green, you know, like the entire test hinged on this one poorly worded question. And she's just like, I can't, I can't, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. So I was like a red, blue, green, 
out of the four, I was three. I mean, it was just kind of silly, but. Well, I, I, yeah, the thing about those types of tests, though, is part of the test is in how you interpret the question. Right, but this wasn't one of those. It was just a poorly worded question. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, song number one on the list. Uh, so song number two you chose. Um, this one comes with a, a slight um, uh, language warning. It has one bad word in the intro. This is true. This is yeah, true. By Tool off of Anima. I'm I think choosing. it's pronounced. I think it's pronounced Anima. Anima. Okay. And the song here is Third Eye. Yes. Uh, quick disclaimer to anybody, because I will post this uh, song list in the Primitive Rhythm Machine uh, um, Discord chat that is on the uh, the uh, Geek Devotion server. So if anybody wants to actually listen to it, you can have at it. But uh, quick Quick disclaimer for this one. I didn't think about it when I was picking my songs, but at the beginning of this song, there is a brief clip of the now deceased comedian uh, Bill Hicks talking about uh, talking about uh, the influence of drugs on music. And he uh, drops an F word in there. So my list would be technically rated PG 13 because that is the only cuss word in the entire list i apologize to those easily offended but for how important the song was to my personal history i couldn't omit it and there are no edited versions so that being said this song um kind of dives into my high school years a lot um that was when i first started listening. That's when I first listened to tool and, uh, for you could define actually high school for me with, uh, the tool albums undertow and anima and, uh, this song in particular kind of encapsulated my general state of mind specifically, uh, as far as, uh, as far as, uh, just who I was at the time period. Um, a lot because the, the song in and of itself, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with tool very much, Maynard James Keenan is super into, or at least during the time period when these albums were coming out, he was kind of dabbling in a lot of Eastern, uh, religion and philosophy. Um, so this song talks about, the search for like past lives and looking and looking towards the future to see, you know, and, uh, Taoism, like we're all one, uh, organism, organism experiencing itself subjectively life and death are only a dream and we're imaginations of ourselves, that sort of thing. Um, and during my time in high school where I was what you would call a church kid, um, I hadn't had my own personal um, experience with God yet at this point in my life. And so I was searching for something to hold on to under well, in the meantime, while I'm completely trying to hold down this whole guise of, I go to church. So obviously I'm a Christian sort of thing. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of that and a lot of yearning to find tr something true. Um, I didn't subscribe to the popular crowd in high school. Shocker. I know. Um, but not only did I not subscribe it, but I was that kid in high school who openly rejected 
popularity and rejected the whole social game of high school. Um, so, um, I was very anti a lot of things, uh, during that time period of my life. But in the same sense, I was so desperate to find a place to belong. And so like you get to the lyrics in the, uh, in the, um, well, there aren't really, there isn't really a chorus or bridge in the song. It's super progressive, but, uh, there's some, uh, there's some lyrics, uh, in the, towards the end of the song in my favorite part of the song where he's singing, uh, I came out to watch you play, but why are you running away? Uh, that sort of thing. It's kind of how I felt in life at that time where it's just like, I, I came out to see what, you know, I would show up to things to see what people are about. And I'd look for a place where I could fit in or a place where I could belong. But it's just like, I would also ostracize myself from the same people because it's just like, I would see the ridiculousness of the situation and, you know, I wasn't afraid to call people out for it. So it's, it's, it's a lot of, again, it it falls into the whole melancholy, uh, yearning, uh, disenfranchisement mood that the majority of this list goes for. Um, and the reason why, well, I don't know if we want to get to that part of it, but there is a, there is a reason why the majority of my list has that somber down dour mood to it. So, but we can, we, we can kind of get to that towards the end uh, once okay. we cover everything, but yeah, so that's why third eye was on there. Excellent. Uh, third song, we have a band called swallow the sun off of the album when a shadow was forced into the light we have the crimson crown it's funny to hear you talk about this and paul bearer because of your jokes that you made in our chats uh, a couple months ago paul bearer and the swallows of the sun <laughs> that stuck with me uh, so when i hear when i hear you talk about swallow the sun i'm like the swallows of the sun this sounds like a terrible christian band from the 70s <laughs> sun swallow oh gosh i almost want to make that band just to make terrible 70s contemporary christian music let's do it man <laughs> um so the crimson crown by swallow the sun i love swallow the sun they were another band that I was started listening to when I started getting into doom metal. Um, or let me rephrase that. I thought I loved swallow the sun until I started listening to their stuff prior to that. The album this is on, uh, the uh, earlier stuff, they kind of dabble in the, in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them satanic, uh, but they use the imagery a little bit to tell a story. And I'm just, I'm not interested in that. Um, but on this album in particular, they don't do that at all. Um, and the majority of the lyrics on it are saying, um, but I chose this song because one it's, it it tells a story, which for me, storytelling is huge for everything I like to do. I love to tell stories. I love to, to say, to spin tales and have people experience emotions based upon the words that I weave together. Um, so because it tells that it tells a very somber tale um and the band's from finland and i'm finnish so hooray for that and again really dour down sounding song okay um do the do the words of this one have any 
any meaning for you or no not not really um i just kind of dug this dug the fact that they were kind of storytelling in the song a bit and uh um just musically speaking it, it's a very beautiful song mm-hmm. next we have number four clean up bed and clean up is uh my epic off of the album behold it's the song confession love me some my epic um up until possibly today i haven't decided to make it official yet but they are currently my favorite christian band but they may be getting dethroned by renascent so but i'm letting that breathe out because i don't want my excitement to make me make a stupid decision about that Um, but this song is a fantastic song keeps on the dour vibe. Um, but in the same sense, it adds context to it by, uh, it's sort of like the Psalms that you read about where it's sort of like, I suck, life sucks, but God is on the throne sort of thing. Nice. Um, and uh, the, lyrically speaking, the songs uh, very much like the the singer of this band. He's putting himself in the uh, he's putting himself in the place of Saint Dismas, if anybody knows who that is. Um, but if, for those of you who don't, Saint Dismas was the thief on the cross, the penitent thief on the cross next to Jesus. That's the um, traditional name they gave him. It's not a right, but not, I mean nothing from the actual Bible. Yes, but it refers to him. Yep. Um, it, so he's kind of compa- putting himself in that play in that place by comparison. And there's one life, uh, there's one life, there's one line in the song in particular where he says, um, oh great. Now I'm losing the lyrics here. Forgive me people. I had a large meal of scallops and shrimp and white fish this evening prior to recording. And so I'm a little bit foggy in my brain because all the blood went to my stomach. Um, I know the general gist of the line, but I want to say it right because it's such a well-constructed line. There it is. Uh, And the, and in the end, may I die as the thief. My greatest joy, it, my greatest joy that you'd hang there with me. Blessed further still, if my flesh could be made an object of grace to walk behind, to die beside, then wake to find my Lord, my love in paradise. It's like, oh, that's so good. Beautiful. I love it. Um, yep. So, but my, I've always said for a long time, listening to my epic is what it would be like if C.S. Lewis was in a post-hardcore <laughs> band and wrote lyrics for a post-hardcore band because they get super deep with their lyrics and they're not afraid to ta- to tackle difficult topics that a lot of Christian bands don't talk, tackle, like unbelief or coping with the idea of, you know, somebody else having to die for my sin and, you know, why would I want that or, you know, why should I glory in that? Yeah, uh, substitutionary atonement. Nothing rhymes with that, so it's hard to... No make a song but they they'll they'll sing they'll sing about it and you know they don't they don't pull punches on it so because they it's basically christianity they they like to sing about christianity from the from a human perspective a legitimate human perspective which i find to be incredibly refreshing because where i do find value in bands like petra and early newsboys when they were a band with a personality um (laughs) 
Well, I mean, th- anymore, they've just become a generic worship band and they could blend in with the rest. But I digress. Um, there are room for bands like there is room for bands like that and a use for bands like that. But I find them hard to relate to. You know, it's easier for me to relate to a band like this that says, yes, I am a human. I have questions about my faith, too, and I don't have all the answers. But here's why I believe or this here's what I believe anyway. Hearing that makes more sense to me and resonates so much more with me than hearing a band saying something to the effect of, Hey, Jesus is great. Life is great. When you have Jesus, we have all the answers come and be prosperous with us. Yeah. God. <laughs> wow. All right, then I, I just like, I just like it when music matches my experience is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that hits, hits home to a lot of people. That's a good thing. So number five, we have uh, the aforementioned Pink Floyd. Best band ever. Pink and the Floyds. Um, Off their live album, Pulse, this is the live version of Comfortably Numb. I picked the live version for a very specific reason. Can you guess what it is, Steve? I thought you might have. And um, I'm trying to think, is it? I can only think the guitar solo. I don't know. Yes. Is it? It is. Uh, the the guitar solo at the end of this version of the song is my favorite guitar solo ever. Wow. Just throwing that out there. And it's a good bit, too, because the original song, I think, is about four minutes long. It, the, the actual version on the wall. This live version goes over 10 minutes. I think it's actually 13 minutes long. This one is nine minutes and 29 seconds. Okay. So I was off, but it's still <laughs> six minutes longer than uh, the, uh, about, about six minutes longer than the original. So that says something. Yeah. And I even have the live video to watch it sometimes. Um, but I digress. Comfortably numb is everybody's favorite Pink Floyd song. And if not, if not, it's most people's. Um you're shaking your head at me, Steve. What's your favorite Pink Floyd tune? Wish you were here. Okay. But this is a great song. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that. It, I mean, if someone put a gun to my head and said, change your favorite song, your favorite Pink Floyd song to Comfortably Numb, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> so it's uh, it's not that that hard of a, a, a switch. So I, I can I see, yes, I can I can see the, the Wish You Were Here. It just, it it has different a different sense to me for other reasons, but music's personal, but the majority oh, yeah. of the people that I talk to, they tell me, Oh my gosh, comfortably numbs my favorite song by Pink Floyd. And it might be a West coast, East coast thing too. I don't know. Um, but comfortably numb again, has to do with that feeling of feeling disconnected from everybody and people trying to interpret what you do. Uh, you know, and then be like, okay, well, you know, maybe you should be this way. And, you know, they're kind of putting up that wall, so to speak. And in this song specifically, it's about putting up walls chemically um, and feeling disconnected from people that way. But um, love the song because the majority of my life, I felt disconnected from everybody. And it's just like, I couldn't find a means to be able to relate to people. And so, uh, you know, I just kind of float through and hear people try to, and, you know, it, there, I'd even have Christians try to reach out to me and be like, you know, trying to, okay, you know, relax. 
I need some information, you know, trying to <laughs> get get me to a point of being healthy and, and just the basic facts. Can you show me where it hurts? <laughs> but uh so you know, uh, it's just that feeling of disenfranchisement and disillusionment and uh and so and of course best guitar solo ever from the best band ever. Um, so yeah, um, and you're, a lot of the songs on here are going to d- deal more with my past than so much my present. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's good to, you know, see a, a character arc in these songs. So that's a really cool uh, element like, of your list. Like I said, I'm a storyteller by nature. So, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm always going to put some sort of development through something, a progression. <laughs> Where's the apotheosis in this song? Um, uh, one thing I was going to say, the the I'm not a great fan of live versions of songs oh, I'm um, not. Uh, unless they're really good. I mean, there's there's some that that knock it out of the ballpark. But uh, the when you asked me why you had chose this one, I didn't want to offend by saying that I, I much more appreciate the the uh, the studio version of of the the vocals the you know the mm-hmm. vocal part that the only thing I could come up with that was different um, than than the uh, the studio version was was the guitar solo so you know having that as your go to guitar solo that's just that's a fantastic element the um, and the the vocals are a bit different because uh, how the song was originally sang in the studio um, the first half of the verse was uh sang by roger waters when it's the people outside who are talking to the main character and then the second half of the verse was uh david gilmore david gilmore yeah who who is singing the reply and the chorus um well when pulse was recorded this was out it was recorded in 1994 when they were doing a big world tour um and Roger Waters wasn't part of the band. Roger, yeah, right? Roger Waters wasn't a part of the band at the time. Instead, their touring bassist was the guy who was singing the the vocal parts. Him and uh, uh, not Nick Mason, um, Richard Wright, their keyboardist. They were both singing at the same time, kind of filling in Roger Waters' bit. So yeah, it does sound a little bit different than the studio version vocally for sure. Interesting breakdown. Thank you. Uh, number six, we have Dream Theater. Uh, there are six degrees of inner turbulence album. This one is called the great debate. Okay. Did you get a chance to listen to this whole song, Steve? I got a chance to listen to it and I pulled out the lyrics because I really wanted to make sure what I was listening to. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this, this song is going to be hot button issue for people. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put a, uh, um, I'm going to put a uh, trigger a trigger warning <laughs> out there for some people. Um, this song deals with uh, embryonic stealth, uh, uh, stem cell research. Um, now that being said, this song doesn't take sides. It presents both cases and just says, and it's just it debates itself basically. Um, it starts out with an, a really awesome synth. Uh, interlude where it has where it has a, a bunch of recorded interviews with people after uh, George Bush Sr. had announced funding for uh, for limited stem cell research uh, t- for 
to treat diseases such as paralysis and juvenile diabetes, uh, things of that nature. And, uh, and then it breaks into some really great guitar work, but of course, because it's, um, John can't think of his last name all of a sudden. But anyway, Dream Theater is a bunch of ridiculous guitar uh, has a ridic ridiculous musicians. John Petrucci, yeah, there it is. Finally remembered. Um, and uh, yeah, the song basically sings both sides of the argument of uh, embryonic cell stem cell research. And I was really curious to see Steve's response to this because it do because it doesn't take sides at all. It just basically argues both sides. Um, even even uh, there's one, there's a line in there saying, "Are you justified to take life to save life?" That's a repeated refrain throughout the whole entire thing. Um, it talks about right to life. It also talks about, you know, you know, if you could save somebody a fate from the, from the fate they live in, why wouldn't you? And if these, if these embryos are created in the, in a lab rather than through typical methods of creation, are they really God's will and stuff like that? So you have this whole argument taking place. And so it was really interesting to me that a band can touch on such a hot, a hot button topic, but do it in a completely neutral sense and saying, we're not going to tell you what to think. We just want you to think, you know, hear both sides and make your own decision, which I've I, fascinates me. Um, and I appreciate that because I'm super anti-political myself. I have my opinions about things, but I don't discuss them with people just because, it's more more often than not, I find that trying to argue people to your perspective never solves anything. Yeah, um, it's usually a bad way to go about it. <laughs> but you know, uh, to to allow people to make their own decisions without calling names or shaming people because they come to a decision—that's something I'm super into. Um, and it's super interesting because it's, it's, it's an idea that a lot of bands that sing about political issues don't take. They don't, they don't care if people think about the topics, they just want to be agree agreed with. So, yeah. And it's, when you listen to the news early on, you would hear the, the differentiation between adult stem cells and, uh, um, uh, what do they call it? And uh, in, infant stem cells, embryonic, embryonic stem cells. Um, nowadays, when you hear you, when you hear the news, it's it's just stem cell research. You don't hear the differentiation. That's because a lot of stem cell research, and this is something that they're not they didn't talk about for very long, but they've started developing new ways to they've they've started finding new ways to develop stem cells that don't require embryos. Right. Uh, they can develop stem stem cells now from people's skin cells. Mm -hmm. um, and embryonic uh, stem cells have never been able to be used eff effectively and efficiently for for any type of medical um, medical function, medical you know uh, usage. Um, so using them just because adult stem cells work for some things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, using them over and over and over and, you know, keeping – keep getting this – the embryonic material, human being material mm -hmm. to, to do this, it's – 
you like horror movies. I love horror movies. I think this situation plays into some of the the worst real life actual horror um, that people just don't get. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they knew the reality of it, it's it's worse than any horror movie out there ever. It's just it's appallingly horrible and people just pass it off um as if it's just another thing um the taking no side in an issue to me sometimes isn't very helpful when i read through the lyrics i felt if there were a tipping point it it was tipping towards don't do it Mm-hmm. You know, the, some of the, the, the more strident language was against mm-hmm. um, the stem cell, uh, the embryonic stem cell research. So I sort of took took heart in that. Um, but I'm I'm much more a person who would rather have someone with a clever way of doing it. Mm-hmm. say what they what they really mean. Like you know, Steve Taylor back in the 80s would would put out uh, songs um, you know, baby doe and, um, uh, whatever happened to sin, uh, things like that, that would talk about abortion. I blew um, up the clinic real good. Well, that one, <laughs> a little bit more problematic because of what actually happened when people actually went out and started blowing up pl- clinics and things. That that happened um, in my neck of the woods too. Yeah, it, it is, it's terrible and should never happen just to make sure everyone understands that. But, um, you know, he would, he would touch on these subjects in, in ways that, that it made sense and it wasn't just trying to shove it in your face or just say abortion is wrong and you're going to hell, blah, 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 blah. Um, he did it in, in clever ways and in, and in, uh, very artistic ways. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that from dream theater. Um, but again, I think more strident when it comes to things like this, because the rights of, of, children and you know things like that when they're stripped away uh it's just it just tends towards that horror story which this show is not about if people want to talk to me about this more than happy to do it uh and i'm just going to move on to the next song so we don't get stuck in the uh spinning our tires and that but again uh, super important if someone wants to talk to me about it more than happy to um song number seven we're more than halfway through the list now this is Carnivool. Am I pronouncing that wrong? Yep. No, you said it right. Carnivool. Uh, Sound Awake is the name of the album, and the song is called All I Know. Um, uh, yeah, this song, first of all, this song represents everything I want my band to sound like, but it never will because I'm a little bit more aggressive of a guitarist than this guy. He... A, a lot, a lot of playing the type of music that I truly enjoy listening to, but I can never encapsulate, has to do with being able to edit yourself, and I have a hard time doing that as a guitarist. But outside of that, uh, lyrically speaking, um, uh, again, it, it deals a lot with uh, searching for a place to belong and searching for a crowd to fit in with uh specifically the chorus where it says are you with me are you of my mind um which is uh, for me it's a it's a call for solidarity it's a call for hey are you with me are you of my mind are you are we copacetic with each other um 
And that has less to do with my high school years and more kind of, kind of my church culture. I came out of, um, me and my wife, we originally, uh, the, we, we, me and my wife met at the church I got saved in and that church was good for a while, but then it started kind of factioning a bit and we went through a really gross church split that I'm not going to go into here, but, uh, it was really factioned and you, it would, you know, there was a lot of people who will, if you're not this way, then you're not with us. You know, if you're not with us, you're against us. And, and it's just like me, I, you know, I, I struggle, I, because of my anxiety problems, I don't make friends easy. And so I lost a lot of friends during that split. Um, and that's hard, that's hard for somebody who doesn't do that well. Um, so you know, it, it kind of resonates on that level with me where it's just like, you know, just kind of looking for people to fit in with and just like, are you with me, you know, or are you going to be a part of a faction or, you know, that sort that sort of a thing. So, okay. There's that. Good, good, good. Uh, song number eight, we have, uh, this is sort of interesting church of the <laughs> cosmic skull. <laughs> Off of the album, is Satan is real? Satan real? Question mark. Is its question, and the the name of the song is "Evil in Your Eye." <laughs> All right, Mister Haru, you're on the hot seat. John, you got some explaining to do. <laughs> as soon as I saw that coming up, and I realized the name of the album and the name of the band, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Steve's going to have some questions about this one. <laughs> so I was like, how could I edit the list real quick? <laughs> no, no I, 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 that's the thing about me is I am 100% me 100% of the time. I don't apologize for who I am because I am me. Um, all right. So little disclaimer about this band, not this particular song. Um, every band has a shtick. There's bands out there who are like, oh, we're into pirates, or there's bands like Amon and Marth who are like, oh, we're into Vikings. Um, or Slayer who are like, oh, we're into anti-Christian stuff, and like a couple of their members are, you know, part Catholic. of Catholic. Yeah. So it's just like, duh. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> this band, this band, their whole imagery is like, oh, we're a cult. <laughs> um, so just putting that out there, it is a stage show, so please be advised of that. Um, that being said, uh, this song in particular, uh, is a juxtaposition of, of, uh, people, uh, with religious authority, um, casting spurious claims upon, individuals and basically people believing they're right just because it comes from people of religious authorities. So like, say for instance, my, my you're evil because my pastor says you're evil, so to speak, and you need to be dealt with. Um, and that, again, that kind of comes from my history with my church that I came out of because it kind of got that way a bit. And it's just like, you know, God's will is what the pastor tells us to is what it, what the direction it started kind of going towards, you know, that can be scary. It, yeah, it, it got gross. Um, 
And so it, it, it kind of stems from that lyrically for me, musically for me, it t- it hits all the right buttons because it, I love the blues. I love the blues. Um, Steve Ray Vaughan's one of my favorite guitar players ever. Um, and it really plays with the whole 1970s blue rock fe- blues rock feel to it. Um, it gets a little progressive cause it's about nine minutes long and 11. I love, okay, well, I'm shooting from the hip here. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, and, and I love long songs. So it, you know, it's good stuff. Plus it has a little bit of a, lyrically speaking, it has a little bit of a horror aspect to it, which kind of reflects my, uh, my love for darker fiction. So it all kind of flows together in one giant amalgamate. All right. Uh, number nine, we have Star Rider. Actually, uh, let me let me do it the way I always do here. So it's it's uh, ha, ha, Halas. Halas. Halas is the name of the band. Uh, Excerpts from a, f- a Future Past is the name of the album, and Star Rider is the song. Love this song. Okay, so I first heard about this song when I was watching uh, YouTube. Uh, a YouTube channel that I watch from time to time called Banger TV. They talk, they talk about heavy metal and review heavy metal albums and stuff like that. And this one lady was taught, was doing her uh, cassette, her cassette. She has her own little thing that she used to do for a while. She, or she would review older albums that she had on cassette and she was reviewing um, uh, fire of unknown origin by blue oyster cult. And she's like, if you if you dig this album, which I do, my favorite BOC song is from it, Joan Crawford. Um, no, not Joan Crawford. Uh, Burning for you. Um, anyway, uh, she's like, if you dig this album, you'll really like. You really need to check out the song Star Rider by by Halas. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I was, I'm on YouTube anyway. So I checked out the music video. The music video is shot on VHS tape. So it has this, it has this really awesome early eighties vibe to it when you're watching it. And musically speaking, it has the same kind of vibe. It does have a real blue oyster cult sort of feel to it. And it's a band from Sweden and they sound legit classic rock, but they, uh, but they're not, they're, they're completely modern and they have three albums out. I have two of them. Um, Super good, super groovy. It also kind of tells a story of uh, space travel uh, from a fantastical perspective, which I'm super into. Uh, Lyrically speaking, it doesn't get too deep with me. It's just um, kind of encapsulates my love for really mellowed out sounding uh, early 80s, late 70s hard rock if that makes sense, mellow hard rock. Um, yeah. All right. Number 10, we have the band Gygax, the album High Fantasy, and the song High Fantasy. All right. So a little thing about, little thing about Gygax. Uh, they're named after the guy who created Dungeons and Dragons, or one of the guys what? that created Dungeons Mr. and Dragons. Mr. Dungeon or Mr. Dragon? Gary Gygax. I know. I'm joking. It's a um, joke. All their all their songs. None of my jokes. None of my jokes. I get your jokes. I just step all over them and walk That's on. Right. That's 
<laughs> uh, Gary guy, um, but Gygax, all their songs are about uh, D and D fiction, characters in D and D, or uh, there's a couple songs that are about uh, some of the uh, Magic: The Gathering game, but most of it's about D and D. Uh, and yeah, so it, it you know that that kind of taps on my love for playing tabletop role-playing games. And again, if you listen to the song, it, it really touches it. They sound a lot like a, uh, like, like thin, a modern version of thin Lizzie. So it kind of touches on my love for that whole 19 late seventies hard rock feel as well. Okay. Also, uh, when we're talking about seventies, you'd, uh, you'd hear this on the radio at least three or four times a day. Uh, this is Deep Purple off of Shades of Deep Purple and the song Hush. Love Classic. that song. Classic. Okay, so for the longest time, I didn't know this was a Deep Purple song because it doesn't sound like what I <laughs> consider Deep Purple, right? Like I originally, I, I didn't know who it was, but um, I thought it was like the zombies or something like that, you know? Because <laughs> when I think Deep Purple, I'm thinking Smoke on the Water yeah. or Speed King or, you know... But, uh, yeah, this song, this, I, I dig this song cause one, it's been used so well in certain movies uh, most recently. Um, and this was the movie that forced me to figure out who this band, who sang this song because I had to have it. Uh, but bad times at the El Royale. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super good tune. I don't, I don't really have any lyrical attachments to it. I don't, it, it's not lyrically deep with me. It's just, it, it's one of the songs. Like if I'm starting my day out wrong, I can throw this on it, this song on and it'll realign me a bit. It's da- dare I say danceable, but it's still, oh, yeah. it still hard rock and it ha- it hits all the right buttons for me basically. So cool. Very nice. And last but not least, we have another live uh, cut here. We have Iron Maiden off of their Rock and Rio. They're live at this is, uh, 2015, but that's just the remastered version of this album. Uh, Rock and Rio and the name of the song, Fear of the Dark. My favorite Iron Maiden song. Um, I use the live version because this is the version that includes all three guitarists playing. Um, I do have the studio album for this, uh, but this version has both Jans, Adrian Smith, and uh, um, Dave Yannick Murray. Garris. Yannick, yeah, Yannick Garris. I don't know why I called him Jans. Uh, Yannick Garris, Dave, Smith, uh, Dave Murray, and Adrian Smith are all yeah. playing on this because they are a three guitar band now. And, uh, so that extra guitar adds a little something to it. So that's the reason I chose the live version, but, uh, this is my favorite Iron Maiden song. Iron Maiden's huge into, or or I'm rather huge into Iron Maiden and kind of what they do. I have Bruce Dickinson's autobiography on, uh, audio book even, um, just to kind of figure out how he's about and, you know, why they use the imagery that they use. And surprise, surprise, a lot of the reason why they do use the imagery they use is just to get to rile up people's parents. Yeah. Um, out, outcry is a useful tool to make people rich, everybody. So just think about that before you go out <laughs> protesting. 
and that with with Iron Maiden, they're not they're not uh, ashamed to touch on some biblical stuff. I mean, very early on, they had their song "Prodigal Son." Mm-hmm. Uh, you had uh, "Hallowed Be Thy Name" and mm-hmm. "Number of the Beast," even though they sort of take some uh, liberties with the actual. Uh, uh, play out of the end times, but right. you know they have that. They mention Christianity and Alexander well, the Great. Actually, so. Number of the Beast is actually isn't actually about that. They just put that in there. But um, Number of the Beast is actually written about a nightmare Bruce Bruce Dickinson had, right? Or, or whoever wrote it. It was either Bruce Dickinson or uh, I can see his face, Steve Harris. Steve Harris probably because Bruce. I don't think Bruce Dickinson wrote anything on that first album that he sang on. Probably not. Nope. Um, so, but I chose fear of the dark because that kind of, it kind of touches on my issues that I have with anxiety quite a bit. Just the constant feeling of something being off. Um, and I don't know if anybody out there in listener land suffers with anxiety. Um, if you do, I can't advocate getting help enough. I, life was miserable for me until I actually talked to a provider, and got the help that I needed. So I uh, want to encourage anybody out there to uh, get in touch with your, uh, your healthcare provider. If you are dealing with anxiety and uh, get the help that you need for that. Yeah. Uh, but, that but that being said, um, there, uh, I, listening to Iron Maiden has taught me a lot of tricks on guitar that I didn't, couldn't quite figure out how to do prior to uh, a lot of which, like, say, for instance, harmonizing lead guitar bits mm-hmm. uh, with another guitarist. is It's something I couldn't quite wrap my head around until I started really listening to Iron Maiden. Um, and again, the storytelling. I love storytelling, and I love yeah. storytelling in music. Because one, if you're telling a story in music, you're bypassing any kind of agenda you may have. You're just telling a story yeah. and you, you can receive it as a matter of fiction. Could be and, a cautionary tale. Yeah. It could be a warning. It could be championing this thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and that, and that, that's, that's something that Bruce said in his autobiography. He's just like, you know, we don't worship the devil. Like people like tried to make us out to, he's like, we're just a bunch of dimwits from, from, uh, England that, you know, we like to make music, tell stories, Yep. So yeah, and and early on uh, with Rush, especially in uh, in Iron Maiden, you know they were my my gateway into a larger world of uh, of music, and having them as my basis for understanding how music can be made, and especially how uh, stories can be told through music it made me want to do, you know, very much more that type of thing. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that I wrote, um, when I was writing more, I mean, I still write a little bit, but you know, when I was, when I was doing it with the intention of actually maybe putting out an album or something, um, looking back on it, a lot of them are stories Mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, story after story. There, there were a couple that were more, um, just sort of, you know, blatant, you know, laying out scriptural truths and things like that. Um, but, you know, even with that, I would, I would typically use like for specifically one song that I did, I would, I I used clips from a movie called the warriors Mm -hmm. because I was using those clips to sort of tell a story 
that my lyrics weren't telling. My lyrics were sort of laying out the truth that was behind the story. Mm-hmm. And then I, I used the clips from the film to tell a different story than the actual film, which is about right. gang warfare. Deeper than that. But, you know, this isn't. <laughs> this well, it isn't actually it actually goes into the three the story of 300, if you want to. Yes, yes, yes. But, um, you know, but to, to take those elements and to, to use them to retell an actual different story, which fed into a, a gospel presentation, more or less, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing that type of thing, you know, that that just goes right back to, you know, getting getting those types of of, uh, of vibes through Iron Maiden and, um, and and Rush and bands like those. So, yeah, definitely. Um uh, there's a just a as an aside. There's a great t- book called Overcoming Panic Attacks. If anyone is really interested in reading a book instead of searching out help, because sometimes that's difficult. But uh, Overcoming Panic Attacks is by Ray Comfort. Um, and if, if that's anything that you wanted to pick up, um, we don't get any kickbacks from them. So no, not, a, not at all. <laughs> Steve and I are basically unpaid volunteers here. So yes, but it's a labor of love. So it is we do this because we we enjoy it so much, and um, and this has been very enjoyable. Sort of walking through, uh, you know, some elements that, uh, that maybe a lot of people don't know about you, John. So this yeah. is interesting. I'm a, I'm a very I'm a super private person. Am I talking over you? Only a little bit. What? How how do you how do you like it? Is it should we be playing D and D tonight now too? Um, but I'm a very private person, so this is a little. little, It it was a little weird for me. I felt like I was taking my clothes off in front of everybody, but on trial or that, I suppose. (laughs) But it's 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 interesting because now when I pick my songs. You know, um, I, I really want to, to pick them so when I talk about them, you know, maybe next month or whatever, um, you know, then I can sort of bring people along on my journey instead of just, you know, oh, this is my favorite song on my favorite album. Next. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to be that. Well, maybe our overlords, I mean, Dallas and Celeste will be kind <laughs> enough to let us do two two episodes this month to kind of put it, put both sides of the bookends out there for this episode. Oh, I don't know if, if they, if they're going to let us off the leash for that. Uh, I know they're in the middle of their, uh, they're in the middle of their, uh, road to King Kong versus Godzilla. That's right. Or Godzilla versus Kong or whatever, whatever they're calling it. The King of monsters versus the King of Kong. Ah, I don't know. I'm team Kong for that fight. So Are you? Yeah, I'm King Kong. Everybody wants to root for Godzilla and I'm like, give the monkey a chance. <laughs> you know what? It's 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 like if they could settle on on one Godzilla, I, I wouldn't have that much of a big deal. But it's like, is it the Godzilla from the first movie? Well no, he's dead. So it must be the Godzilla from the Toho uh, uh, films. Well, no, that's a different one from Zilla. That's a different one from Shin Godzilla. I mean, it's like pick a Godzilla, people. Well, to be fair, this is the the Monarch movies, which is what this is a part of that that cinematic universe. It, it's all that Godzilla. So right. I mean, they they ha- they have picked one and they're running with it. It's just you know, ever right. since the MCU had such a uh, 
such a strong turnout with creating their own cinematic universe. Now all these other movie franchises are like, we need to have a universe too. And it, it, it goes into all kinds of like, there's a, there's a conjuring cinematic universe now for people who are into horror films, um, which has conjuring one and two, the three Annabelle movies, the nun, um, the La Llorona is part of that universe. They're making one called The Thin Man. Conjuring 3 comes out this year. The original Thin Man was a fantastic movie back in the 30s. Yeah, well, I don't think that is the, the same Thin Man that we're talking about. No, might be different. Might be <laughs> a different, different universe. Yeah. <laughs> sort, sort of like the those terrible Captain America movies from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the Spider-Man TV show. Why are we talking about this and not music? Because <laughs> well, it's us, and we have right. a tendency to go off topic. Yeah, this can be our, our, our. We could just keep talking and do a second show. We could, but I don't think I don't think that You're they would like to us to pass too. out. You're about to pass out, aren't you? Me? No, I'm good. I, I've got that. Uh, I've got that uh, seafood energy going on. <laughs> so no um let's see here oh homework did you do your homework i i did as much of my homework as i could because i could not find much of jag but what i did is i listened to the songs that i could off of the album only world in town um and then i i listened for to to acclimate myself to jag i listened to some some other uh jag music from their the album before this and the album after this and then i actually went back to uh what's his name john alan greer or no john like john gary's who gary's, is the, that's right the j and g is john gary's i don't know what the a stands for but his he had a a, a debut album a, a first album i have that came one out too the, in the uh, 87 or something like that. And I listened to a little bit off of that as well, just sort of to sort of get uh, a flavor of where he was coming from and, uh, and what he was producing around the time of this. The three albums came out, I believe, you know, in uh, like 91, 92, 93 or 90, 91, 92, something like that. Something like that. Early nineties. Yeah. But all to like one right after the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a, a similar flavor, uh, slightly different production, um, you know, but it, it, it there was, it, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, this typically was not what I was going to listen to in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, uh, you know, getting into Deliverance and Tourniquet and um, uh, Vengeance Rising, you know, bands like that, which was like much heavier. Um, and starting to get into, um, I don't even know if, I don't think they were out at the time, Mortal, um, Circle of Dust, I think they came out in 92, 93. But, um, you know, I was looking for, for a harder sound yeah. uh, and that type of thing. And and Jag, with their keyboards, um, nice, beautiful, not what I was looking for back then. Uh, nowadays, I can... I can appreciate it. You know, I, I go back to, um, uh, you know, the, the British new wave of heavy metal where there was a lot of bands with, with keyboards and, 
uh, you know, doing stuff like the power metal, you know, came out right after that, or, you know, sort of like a stream through it you know, with rainbow going into, uh, you know, all the way to, it's still going on now, but you like know, with through bands the, like by like blind guardian and through the eighties, yeah. but even, even, um, you know, uh, white snake, you know, things like that. And, and, and just powery metal stuff like that. So this is sort of in that line, um, that I just wasn't following at that time. Uh, I I've heard them be compared to, uh, white heart quite a bit. Well, uh, who does a connection to White Heart? Yeah, the uh, one of the guys from White Heart produced their albums. I can't remember his name. Billy Smiley. Bob Smiley, Billy Smiley, something like Billy that. Billy Smiley. Let's see if he says White. Yeah, he was a founding member of White Heart. Yep. So it did have that um, that sort of uh, a power to it. Um, he knew he knew what he was doing. Um, he did a good job there, but. Um, Let's see. From what I heard, let's see. I would say my favorite song, probably not a, a big surprise, but Sense of Wonder um, was just a fantastic song. Um, the intro to The Last Time I Looked was really cool. Sort of a little less cool than I thought because I, when I started to listen to it, I, it was on... Uh, 1.25 or 1.5 speed when i started listening to it i'm like oh this one's gonna be f- nice and fast you know and then i was like wait a minute <laughs> it doesn't sound as good as the other stuff and obviously it would if it was going at once one speed one x and then i rewound it and, and did it at one x and i was like it's still a really good intro um and the rest of the song was good too it the, even the there was uh what was the ballad was the only only world in town was like with the ballad off of it i think um and they it was still a still a good song so they they did some good stuff i would say what wouldn't have caught me even if i was listening to this type of stuff um and it goes back to that storytelling thing mm-hmm. you know it, it, uh, i i didn't find a lot of and maybe there were other ones that just uh, i couldn't find but I wasn't I wasn't finding a, a story that I could sort of just like uh, attach to, but uh, very very pleasant uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, I had heard of Jag when I was younger. I just didn't take the time to to uh, to pick those up. You know, it was the type of thing where I would intentionally not pick it up because. It wasn't what I was looking for. Right. Um, and I was shallower back then. Well, we all are shallower when we're younger. I mean, I, I wouldn't have listened to this back in the day either. I was at that point, I was getting into bands like Mortification and Countable Corpse. So, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, but yeah, very, very pleasantly surprised. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. So let before we wrap up today's episode and go on to the uh, interview uh let's assign each other some homework steve do you have any homework you want to assign me being as you didn't assign me homework in the last episode i do because this is a band that nobody knows about and i'm not sure if you can find them although if i searched on youtube i could probably see if they're available um and let me just see which 
they put out two albums around the early 90s. I got both of them at the exact same time, so they just blur to me. But let me just assign you one. Emerald Vane, Land of the Living, full album. Um, just put in Emerald Vane, Land of the Living, or else I can just put a, a link to it for you. Um, but yeah, this is one of those bands where you're like, why? <laughs> why is this band so hard to find? Why aren't they on Spotify? Why can't, why isn't, why is everyone sleeping on them? You know, is it because no one knows about them or is it because, you know, am I wrong in enjoying this one so much? Um, <laughs> I've but, had so many things like that. And I could be. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, take a look at that one. Okay. And listen and get back to me. And what's uh, what do you got for me? Let's do this. Okay. Would you prefer some folk metal or some... And these are Christian bands, so when I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the next genre. It's just the name of the genre. Don't ascribe it to the band. Or some stoner metal. Hmm... Folk or stoner? Let's go with stoner. Yeah, that was the one I'm having a hard time finding. Uh, <laughs> Did anyone ever think you'd hear that from me? I don't know. Um, it's a band called Starchild. Cool. Um, and they were about the closest thing to a uh, Christian Black Sabbath I've ever heard in my life. I'll yep. send you a link for it as soon as I can find it, but uh, it's good stuff. I have a I I had a friend who was in the infantry in the Gulf War. He was a door kicker, um, and he was super into a bunch of secular uh, stoner metal bands like Ruby that Ruby the Hatchet or Sleep or stuff like that. And I'm like, have you heard this band? He's like, no. And he's like, oh my gosh, these guys are great. So I know I know they're effective. It's just trying to find their stuff is a little bit difficult. But I will find it. Album. And I, will, um, I think it's self-titled. That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> because there are on Spotify, I'm like, artists for Starchild, 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 Starchild Kayla, Starchild Excalibur, Starchild, 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 Starchild in the something, Starchild, Starchild, period, Starchild Y-E-Z, Tommy Starchild, Starchild Luke, Starchild, the Starchild, Starchild, Starchild Yeezy. And how many Paul Stanley, how many Paul Stanley references are on there too, right? Yeah, I don't even know. It's just, so. there's a lot of star children, apparently. Oh, that's all them aliens coming down, man. They're 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 cross they're crossbreeding with our our women. Uh oh, this is a problem of genesistical proportions or something. So anyway, I found them on Bandcamp. So if if at worst, I might buy you a copy of the album. Ooh, um, free yeah. music. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be so super disappointed with that. Um, uh, so yeah, that's your homework for this week, Steve. And uh, do you have any f- to 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 rip off Ben Avery here? Do you have any final thoughts or final words for our listeners yes. out there? Yes, my final thoughts. 
Resupply these three items. Resupply these three items. Please resupply these three items. Thank you. What three items? Um, cleaning material, cleaning uh, fluids for the uh, for my bus. Oh, for for those of you who are at home listening, Steve was actually holding up a little notepad that had that written on there. So, uh, cool. Uh, final words for me. Um, please participate in our uh, primitive rhythm machine uh, chat on the uh, devoted geeks discord server i love interacting with people so throw stuff out there give us show ideas give us stuff to talk about and uh you know maybe you might hear us talk about what you want us to talk about in the next episode because that's the awesomeness of interaction everybody so until next episode hopefully they'll let us have a second episode this month (laughs) uh we'll catch you next time bye everyone bye everyone